So what was that about MAGA hats you were just talking about, Joe? My heart Trump. Uh, is that right? Yeah. What's your favorite part Absolutely about him? Absolutely not. He's a piece of shit. I like his man boobs. He's, <laughs> he's got like a nice little uh, sag, little sag tit. He's, he's, a, he's a world. He, he's a, he, in the history of the U.S. He's the unhealthiest president of all time. Yeah. Um, strict diet of Big Macs. Yeah. No vegetables. No vegetables. No vegetables. Yeah. I don't think he knows what. I don't think he's ever put anything green in his body. <laughs> Unless it was a shamrock shake, right? Yeah. Shamrock shake, yeah. Like shamrock shakes, right? Oh, we're on? Oh, look at that. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> this is, uh, this is uh, Liam Camlescano, uh, your host of uh, the podcast Rough Cuts. Thanks for joining us again. It's been, uh, it's been a little bit of a time. You know, uh, life has, uh, how, how should we say it, kicked me in the ass last couple of weeks. Not to make it all about me for a second, but... Uh, Lost my dog earlier this month. Mm-hmm. Fuck that noise. Anybody lost a dog? I feel you. It's, it's tough losing a family member. Uh, I found out I have alopecia, so that's cool too. So I got fucking bald spots in my head now. So I'm an old old man. I'm sure, Jake can correct that. I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just before we get started, I got my uh, my awesome guest here. Um, just want to first introduce uh, a returner. We got Jay. Hello, world. Hello, world. And then uh, we have a new new guest as well, uh, Javier Rodriguez. Say hi to everybody. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, but uh, you know, very excited to have everyone in the room together. Thank you, thank you. Um, you guys are gonna make me uh, cope with the bald spots and my dead dog. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we uh, we there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks, so we do have a bunch of news to kind of dive into. I'm sure we'll have plenty to kind of discuss, and we have already have a couple things kind of set up for you. So why don't we just kind of jump into things? Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna start off with the first news, which is uh, ironically enough another Disney story, just like our last episode mm-hmm. where uh, we talked about was Disney. Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, is leaving uh, Disney. Looks like he has decided that he's going to retire. Um, from the company, well, actually, not retire, right? Isn't he doing? Um, he's gonna remain on the board. Yeah. Okay, remain on the board, and also going. He wants to do more creative stuff. Do we yeah. know exactly what what that entails? Like, is he just gonna be overseeing like all the projects creatively? Like, who knows, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully, not overseeing Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, uh, it says in Variety that uh, looks like he's being replaced by the guy who runs the theme parks, which is Bob Chappick. Um, which, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it seems like that's a pretty big fucking transition, right? I mean, Bob Iger arguably is probably the CEO that's seen the most growth, uh, at the company. Um, I'm trying to remember, when did, do we know exactly when he started as CEO? Was it, was it like 10 years ago? Less than 10 years yeah, ago? At the very least. 15 think, years ago? Yeah. At the very least it's been 10. I think, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere, yeah, in the beginning of like the early uh, 2010s like I'm assuming like somewhere around there okay yeah yeah because yeah. Uh, he uh, you know he's overseen a lot of changes he saw the uh, the acquisition of Lucasfilm yeah the acquisition of uh, Marvel maybe that's maybe the, when he first did the handoff from Michael Eisner was around like 09 maybe mm-hmm. but um, but yeah man the, the guy's seen a lot of changes he's he's you know arguably made the company into what it is now which is basically a behemoth mm-hmm. In the uh, media industry, especially with the Fox acquisition that went through, yeah. um, so I, he's definitely part of the, changing the landscape of uh, mainstream uh, Hollywood and um, you know media. And it's uh, it's just crazy, man. It just seems like everything you see now that's advertised is just you know just kind of weird, weird to think about. Um, do you think like, it's a good thing, guys? Like, how do you how do you do you think that the, this transition to power? Do you think it's going to be sloppy? Do you think that it's a good thing? Maybe uh, especially because Jay, you're even talking about some of the. You know, some of the Star Wars movies have been kind of divisive, and, and some people, you know, some of them are good. Um, and you can even say some of the Marvel movies as well have been kind of sporadic. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys think about this transition? I mean, to be honest, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it, 
it's because of him that these acquisitions even happened, right? Um, his relationship with uh, George Lucas prior to anything. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a really the main reason why he was able to purchase Star Wars to begin with. Um, I think it's going to be a crazy transition. I don't know if it's going to be a good thing, right? It's hard to tell right now because I've never heard of the other guy other yeah. than the, the fact that he runs the parks and stuff like that. He, he, he could potentially be... The savior, in I mean, a sense. Could be. I mean, could even be. the yeah. What, what about your yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, he could be. I mean, it could change. You know, Disney and like these Star Wars and Marvel films in like a totally different direction. You know, like have them going through because, like you just said, that they've been. You know, some of them have been hit and misses with like you know audiences and critics. So it definitely could be. You know, a good thing. I mean, it's always sad to see you know someone go who's been in that you know area for like such a long time. But you know, change is always you know good. You know, at the end of the day, for some some things. So right. Absolutely. And uh, even just kind of like reading the story from Bright, they even talked about, or Deadline should say, they were talking about uh, the fact that, um, you know, with the the coronavirus outbreak going on across the world, um, obviously that's something that Disney is going to have to deal with, like a lot of big corporations, yeah. right? Especially because yeah. I know they've already shut down their theme parks in, uh, in Asia, uh, you know, so that they're already losing around roughly $175 million uh, not having the park op- those parks operate. Um, so, it, you know, uh, it's, it, it's a big what if, right? Because also, you know, the, the Chinese film market's arguably the biggest film market in the world. And uh, when the coronavirus outbreak started, it was right around the same time of the new year, which is actually, the, from what I've read, the, the busiest uh, time to go see movies. So a yeah. lot of the big releases in China come out during the Chinese New Year. So mm-hmm. the, um, it just seems like the movie industry, especially in China, is, is, is kind of at a standstill right now. So yeah. um, I feel like Disney's going to have to deal with that that blow a little bit. Um, but, you know, they're kind of like Apple. I feel like they have enough money to burn and they could probably buy themselves a little bit of time. And oh, I'm yeah, sure they're definitely. already strategizing how they're going to deal with the virus and how that's going to affect their you know releases moving forward. I know that Mulan is a, is a big anticipated movie that obviously, you know, is, you know, is going to have obviously if they can't release it in China when they're supposed to that's a, you know not good for them yeah. physically yeah. speaking but um, we'll see we'll see how it goes you know um, I think me personally I think Bob Iger did a pretty pretty incredible job I mean you could talk about the quality of the content right versus the you know the success but he's he's made Disney extremely powerful um, mm-hmm. during his, his tenure there so I mean you can't can't ignore the fact that he's had a huge influence over these acquisitions and and, and the fact that now they own pretty much all media um and they were i think last was it last year disney represented like almost like something like 80 90 percent of the top box office gross yeah. last year which yeah is, they you know, dominated yeah that's unheard of that's yeah. unheard of yeah so it's uh it's for anybody that's trying to make stuff independently it's probably a little disheartening but <laughs> you know it's okay somebody's you know somebody's got to do it i guess right but uh, but yeah, moving on from the next story, uh, kind of going hand in hand with what we were just talking about with Disney. Um, coronavirus, obviously, is, is yeah. a pretty pretty big, uh, hot topic issue right now. Um, I know that uh, Donald Trump, our grateful leader, you know, our, uh, you know, Jay's a big fan, by the way. Yeah, MAGA all day, right? Yeah, MAGA all day. Uh, by the way, go see uh, the HBO show if you're watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David, the first episode, he wears a MAGA hat so people don't talk to him. Really funny episode. Show's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so uh, Donald Trump is uh, was talking to the media recently, talking about how uh, you know uh, networks like CNN are contributing to the fear mongering of the coronavirus and downplaying its um, severity in terms of a, as, as a world crisis. Um, do you guys think that uh, that he's right? What, what are your What are your thoughts on that? I think he's wrong, man. I think at the end of the day, this has potential to be 
as big, if not bigger, than Spanish influenza if we don't stop it right now. You know what I mean? Uh, it has potential for millions of people to die. Um, and I think being in the news and, and constantly, yeah, uh, it should be a good thing, right? I mean, you, you, of course, there's going to be fear, right? Because that's, that's <laughs> a typical thing with a pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, outbreaks and things like that. But it, we know it has to be. It has to be everywhere, so everybody's aware, takes precaution. Yeah, you know, and, and... yeah, no, I agree. Like, <clears throat> it's definitely like been all the news like for months now. And it's just really scary, you know. And you see, like, too, like, a lot of these celebrities still have been traveling out with, like, masks. A lot of them have wearing yeah. masks and stuff like that because it's just, you know, so deadly, you know what I'm saying? And you can catch it just, like, just like that with, like, just, like, a cough or a sneeze. And it's just, it's really scary, you know, uh, especially when viruses break out like that. So we just really got to, you know, stay clean and stuff like that and, you know, always, you know, wash hands. But also, you know, keep a lookout and also, too, make sure we get, you know, the proper, um, you know, things that we could help them, you know, so this can, you know kind of not spread you know well. no definitely um and i and i get it because I, I feel like on one hand trump is speaking to a, tr a, a real truth about the media which that you know mainstream media and particularly in news yeah you know the exploitation of certain fears that people have is is kind of put on display when you know people are reporting news and that does get viewership yeah having said that it doesn't mean that the that what that the virus itself should be downplayed because obviously it is a, is a big problem. Yeah, yeah. And it's only getting progressively worse. So I do think putting a spotlight on it is important. I can't say that, you know, and like even like if we want to go back as, you know, to the Ebola crisis a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. I mean, I remember the media was crazy about that story. It was, it was you know, every day you turn on TV, they were always talking about it. So I, I mean, I get. I get how he might, he would say, he would accuse the media of fear-mongering, but it's really ironic coming from a guy who's, his his whole presidency is based on fear mongering, but now yeah. we're just going to do a completely different uh, discussion. But uh, we're not afraid to talk about <laughs> politics here. You know, what I mean? you know you know politics is just as important as movies, guys. You know, it's just, uh, go vote. You know, no matter what you believe, you know, just stay stay informed. Shit. But um, anyways, we'll diverge from that topic and uh, to another the last. I promise you, the last coronavirus story. Okay. <laughs> Um, this actually is a story about a very cool filmmaker by the name of David Cronenberg. I don't know if you guys are a fan of his work. Uh, he kind of built his name on uh, like uh, low-budget horror films, like The Brood, and uh, eventually made the remake of The Fly, which up full boom. Um, but then he kind of had like a turning point in his career where he made a lot of great dramas, like Eastern Promises. So he's come a long way. Um, but it looks like he actually uh, taught. Well, I think he was talking to I think Deadline about how the coronavirus is great stuff for science geeks, um, which. <laughs> pretty interesting uh, perspective to have. Um, I don't think he meant it in, like, in a way where it was like, oh, this is really cool that people are getting sick and dying, but I think he was talking about it from like a, a, like a science nerd perspective, right? Like the, the like this outbreak and how it's how fast it's traveled. I yeah. think that's probably what he was speaking to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, do you feel like people can misinterpret like what his quote in terms of like what he meant? I mean, I can see how it can be taken in in, in that in that way. I mean, I don't think I don't think that was the context of, of the comment that he made, but I can see how it could easily be taken in the wrong way. I'm sure he meant it like in you know sci-fi or you know um, you know we, we, we everybody seen well almost everybody seen the Contagion movie, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, outbreak. You know, I'm sure he meant it in something like that where you can have an, you know an, an original kind of movie in a sense, uh, and I'm sure he, he meant it in that in that kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, even the quote I have it right here, actually. So, when asked about the uh, the outbreak, um, he was like, it's a mutation. On a scientific level, this is great stuff. It's not scary. Socially, it's scary. But if you're a science geek, this is just business as usual on planet Earth. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty grounded reaction. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he's he's aware of obviously the the how other people are responding to it, but at the same time, he's just saying it from like a like a scientific perspective. It's like kind of you know it's how outbreaks happen. It's how sicknesses get transmitted to other people. Um, but uh, it's just interesting. It's like you know, even in uh, in the world of uh, cinema, man, it's just like coronavirus is is even affecting that as well. So it's yeah. kind of hard not to talk about it. But uh, it's kind of funny just, just to hear some you know a, a very uh, accomplished filmmaker just kind of you know just talking point about it out. point <laughs> it out yeah <laughs> all right and i promise guys that's the last of the coronavirus stories but i thought i'd uh, mesh all those together but yeah so moving forward um let's talk about some uh, some new movies some new stuff's coming out so um we were talking about earlier before we started recording the show but uh blumhouse and universal's invisible man reboot uh has done very well for itself looks like uh, it opened in the states to 26 27 million dollar open on yes. a seven million dollar budget um, I've always talked about this uh, with uh, Blumhouse, but you know they've uh, they've had a great track record at making films for very cheap that have great turnover. Um, and I feel like you know it's kind of going back to the Roger Corman days in the you know seventies where you know you'd make movies for super cheap and you know they get super popular and it's it's very smart, right? I mean, why spend all your money on marketing yeah. and all these things that are just super overpriced when you can make something of quality for something for very low? And be able to make your investment, you know, double, triple that investment. So I think it's, you know, it's just another great business uh, move from Blumhouse um, because, you know, uh, they've, you know, built their their brand off of these low budget horror films like The Purge, mm-hmm. you know, which has be- made multiple sequels into a TV show, um, even Fancy Island, which is a film. Yeah, Fantasy, yeah. yeah. Um, Halloween, you know, Halloween, you know, that's Halloween. Right. Yeah, uh, no, Halloween. Jordan Peele, they produced uh, Get Out and yeah, Us. Us yeah. So they've really had their, their their finger on the pulse for a lot of mainstream horror, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm I'm very happy to see that it does well. I'm personally a big Universal Monsters fan, and. Obviously, you guys uh, can only hear us; you can't see it. But in our, my room, we actually—I have a shrine dedicated to uh, Universal monsters, including an Invisible Man action figure, the Claude Rains version, mind you, because I'm, I'm an old person. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, uh, I haven't seen it yet. I know we we all talked about eventually yeah. going to see it. Uh, you know, uh, are you guys surprised to to see the movie did well? I'm, to be honest, I'm not surprised at all. I've always been a Lee Wynell fan. If I, if I, as I've told you, you know, in our conversations, you know, I was off of, of the podcast. Um, you know, he, the man wrote, saw, you know, he did uh, upgrade, which I've been telling you upgrade. for the longest to watch. Yeah, no, real you know? talk, guys. Uh, Jay, I think it's been at least a year, right? Yeah, Since at least to watch yeah. upgrade. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, I, I make time for all these movies, but I just I couldn't watch that one movie. Recommended, upgrade, but, it's uh, a great movie. Upgrade, yeah, no, it's a definitely a fun, uh, fun movie. Now, upgrade. did you guys? Know, I, I think I kind of tried speaking to it earlier, but do you guys notice this? A certain the the. the do you know if they use the same like cinematographer from Upgrade? Because I'm noticing that like a lot from even from watching the trailer of Upgrade, the the way that they 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 visualize his because in that movie he's got like a what a chip inside him, so yeah. it's yeah. Like, controlling and programming his body, yep. like he doesn't have any control mm-hmm. over it. I noticed similar camera work with the Invisible Man because it's obviously they're shooting an invisible character, but in those in the sequences where that the Invisible Man is attacking people, I noticed there was very similarities between the choreography and the way it was shot. I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like is that just like a style? I guess it's a stylist 
choice yeah, yeah, on his yeah. part, right? Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it looks really cool. I mean, I'm a big Elizabeth Moss fan ever since yeah. Mad Men. Mad Men, oh yeah, she's good. And, uh, she was also in Us too. She like had a little bit of a small role, but she was pretty good in that too. Very good. Oh, yeah, the whole yeah. scene where she's looking in the mirror. Yeah, the yeah, the lipstick. Like, yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, uh, I love that scene. I think she's a uh, she's a really incredible actress. And uh, I actually have watched a little bit of Handmaid's Tale. I actually wish I'd finished that show because it's actually very good. Um, yeah, this is very difficult to watch. And it's just very uh, painful. Painful. Weird way. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to see it too. I mean, like uh, especially when you know you have you know. Uh, a low budget mainstream movie really uh, making making its money back. It's a good indication that there's still uh, an audience for yeah, for definitely good films, support and stuff good. like that. Yeah. And uh, do you think do you think that this is going to be the beginning of them trying to reboot uh, the Universal Monsters movie? Like, do you think this is going to be a good launching point for them, or do you think they're going to have to really s- spend a lot of good time uh, breaking down these iconic characters and doing these kind of revisionist? Mm-hmm pieces right because like the invisible man this version of the story is you know maybe tonally familiar to the h.g wells uh, book but it seems like it's it's a radical mm-hmm. departure from any previous interpretation of the character whether it's like something like hollow man oh, yeah, hollow um, man, yeah you know what i mean um do you it's so, like what do you guys think do you think like it's do you think that this is going to be the one do you think this is going to actually really help them establish um a, a new franchise or do you think they're going to have to still spend some more time Really fleshing out the details and making sure all of it is is good. No, I think this is, this can potentially be the launch pad for yeah for what it it it, it should have been right. Yeah, especially too like if it's opening up and making this much success, you know what I'm saying. So I think definitely they'll do you know put them further to make other you know to reboot all these other classic you know universal you know uh, Hollywood uh, films and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So maybe we might get another reboot, hopefully a perfect one of the Mummy, because I know the one we got three years, three yeah, years yeah, ago. Well, was, was, uh, I have to do like some bad reviews, man, because that, that's that's a movie that sucks. Man. <laughs> the Mummy's tough, man. Sometimes you have a Scientologist run your movie, man. I'm telling you. I mean, well, the the oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I mean, Mission Impossible is one thing, but yeah, the you, can't, you can't pull the same shit. In the yeah, world. I mean, the '30s one is classic, and then I like the one too with uh, Brendan Fraser, the one that came out in yeah, 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a pretty fun one too. But yeah, the 2017 one was just honestly just like a big miss it was just yeah, yeah definitely definitely all right so uh, moving on so the next uh, story i got in front of me uh talking about the troubles going on at the lizzie mcguire uh, production seems like uh disney plus was not happy with um the two episodes so it seems like they brought the original showrunner to direct the first two episodes mm-hmm. seems like things were you know created studio didn't like them i guess they said the content was more mature and they expected they wanted something a little more family friendly, so they actually let go of the director of the first mm-hmm. two episodes. And um, they've been basically trying to revi- uh, you know, re-edit everything. And it seems like Hillary Duff went on social media and kind of complained a little bit, mm-hmm. saying that they should consider um, taking the show off of Disney Plus on and moving to the Hulu platform mm-hmm. if it's a question of maturity. Um, now, this is where you know, even just talking about Disney in the beginning of the show, I mean. This is what happens, right? When a big company, right, Disney buys all these different businesses, right, that have already have their own established intellectual properties, have their own kinds of media. And Fox, you know, has did a lot of mature stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they yeah. the company that did the X-Men movies, they did the same company that did uh, movies like Logan, Deadpool, Logan, right? Deadpool. I mean, even The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, yeah, The Simpsons, Simpsons right? Yeah, the the Simpsons. Alien franchise, yeah, right? Yeah, There's yeah, a cool. lot of, I mean, mature content mm-hmm. in general, right? Yeah. So it, 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 it's no surprise that Disney is... Uh, you know, looking at their other platforms, 
to uh, distribute more mature content. Um, but I think it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to see them giving this pushback because I can't tell when they say mature if it means like it's like graphic or if it's just the, the, the material, the actual like stories and the discussions that the characters are having are yeah, the content, adult yeah. themed. So, I, I mean, who knows what, what's going on behind the scenes. But I think it's just kind of like, you know, if the, sh the show obviously has, you know, the audience that started watching that show is, is uh, my age. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because so, I grew up watching Lizzie McGuire when I was a kid. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, exactly. Too, yeah. So it's just like, you can't really expect the same innocence, right? Cause it's yeah. Like you're, you're, you're trying to appeal a new demographic, but you're also trying to appease fans from the previous Yeah, show. exactly, yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I don't understand it, right? Because I do have Disney+. Plus. And recently, I watched one of my favorite movies of all time, 10 Things I Hate About You. Classic. And, Classic, and, yeah. and that movie is on Disney+, Plus, has some things that I don't wouldn't consider family-friendly, yep. and it's on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So I don't see what the issue is with Lizzie McGuire. I mean, I don't, yeah. I really don't. yeah, I agree, too. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with what you were saying, too, because we grew up, you know, watching that show at a young age, but now, like, we've matured, and now she's matured, too. You know what I'm saying? I think that would be a good follow-up to just, you know, kind of... You know, so I don't know, because, you know, Disney, they have this whole... They just want to make everything, you know, all family friendly. But then again, like you pointed out, if they have the show like Ten Things I Hate About You." Then I don't see what well, the where, problem. Where, where's you know? the line? Where's where do you draw the line? Right? Yeah, exactly. The material being safe, kid yeah. friendly versus not kid friendly. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they're having a hard time uh, navigating this water, which makes sense. I mean, it's a big acquisition. They now own multiple streaming platforms, movie studios, production companies. So it, it it's tricky. But I think they're going to have to be a little more flexible. Uh, because obviously, uh, you know, Disney's branding is everything. I mean, these are the same cast that change the flower bed outside of their theme parks every night before they reopen. Um, they're kind of like Apple. They're just obsessed with their <laughs> image. But anyways, um, yeah, it's just like it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's just uh, I, I, I think they should just, you know, let the audience speak for themselves. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're worried about the kids watching it, you know, then maybe the parents should actually be, you know, a little more engaged with what their kids yeah. are watching. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like, you know, kids kids know technology. They're going to find their way around to watch whatever they want. I think it's up to the parents who are, you know, should be monitoring what they're watching to kind of make those decisions. I know, Jay, your parents, you can probably speak to I was going to say, as, as a parent, at the end of the day, kids find their way to do whatever they want and watch whatever they want. I mean, you don't have the time to be with them 24... I mean, as a parent, right? You should be with them as much as possible, but can't watch them 24-7 at the end of the day. Right, exactly. So I feel like that's just gonna, that's yeah. inevitable, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so moving on. So the next story uh, uh, looks like uh, via Instagram from a little filmmaker named James Gunn. It seems like they just wrapped shooting of the Suicide Squad uh, reboot, which is uh, something I'm actually pretty pretty excited for. I know that uh, I know everybody at this table is a big Marvel movie guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I think Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 is actually probably the better of the, the 20 plus films that they've made. Yeah, those are really fun movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, definitely almost like, it's like he took he took the superhero movie and infused it with like, you know, like elements from other filmmakers like Tarantino where the music is really... Yeah, the music, yeah. Forward, stuff like that. Music is incredible. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so it looks like they should finish shooting. Um, now, especially because I know we're going to be talking about Birds of Prey pretty soon, but mm -hmm. um, you know, where where do you where do you guys think this movie's going to go, right? Because if we reflect back to uh, 2016 Suicide Squad, very yeah. bad year for a lot of people in America, but <laughs> uh, particularly because of Suicide Squad, yeah. but other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, do you think that this movie, especially with the low opening of Birds of Prey, like, are you guys worried that this movie is not going to hit expectations uh, for you? Do you feel like? 
you know, do you think the box office is going to be reflective? I mean, it does help having a, a creator like um, James Gunn at yeah. the helm, and, and the cast is pretty is pretty incredible as well. So, but yeah, what do you guys what do you guys think about Suicide Squad? You know, I'm uh, I'm pretty hopeful for it to be honest. I actually, when I first heard that James Gunn signed up to it, I was really excited because I thought he did a phenomenal job, you know, directing uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and also to the cast too. I mean, you have a pretty good cast. Too. I know, like. You have a couple of newcomers there. I know, like uh, John Cena is gonna be in there, and then uh, who else? He doesn't uh, want some John Cena. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. He plays Ferdinand the Bull. Yeah. And now he's the, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely very hopeful, and you know, uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing it, the reboot and stuff like that. Uh, and then Evers Elba is gonna play Deadshot. Um, that one I'm definitely looking forward to too. I mean, I liked Will Smith as that him and I thought him and Margot Robbie were only the good things about uh, Suicide Squad. But definitely, I'm very hopeful for it. And I think you know, with the director like James Gunn and it being like a big uh, a DC movie, because it did, even though it didn't really do too well, but um, it did really good in the box office. So I'm pretty hopeful for it. I, I think I'll, I think I'll do pretty decent. Quick correction: Wasn't it confirmed that he wasn't uh, he just wasn't playing Deadshot? Oh, he wasn't. I believe it was originally supposed to be that, and I believe that it actually changed. Oh, it changed. Okay. He's a different character. Oh, he's a different character. Well, that's too bad though, because because I, I think that would have been a upgrade. To be honest, I mean, I love Will Smith, but mm-hmm. Idris Elba, I think, in my opinion, is a better actor. Right. So I think it would have been an interesting, better. yeah, to see him as Deadshot. Yeah. But but, uh, yeah. but at the same time, like going back to the original Suicide Squad, right? Uh, I'm a big David Ayer's fan too. I like I like his movie tonally. Yeah, we talked about. Yeah, it yeah, yeah absolutely. And like I, I think the mistake in the first one was. Too many hands. Mm-hmm. Too many cooks, right? Way, yeah. way, too, way too many cooks. They didn't let David Ayers do too his many thing. Cooks too. You know, so I I, 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 feel like the same thing's gonna happen again. I don't think it's a matter of director. Yeah. And and the direction that that the movie will go. Okay. I think it's, it's still gonna be played by the same exact thing, and it's gonna be too many too hands. Many, too many hands. Again. Too, too, not, too yeah. many cooks uh, again. Yeah. Where's the thing? Though, I mean, the one thing is that like. Uh, you know, at least there's no Jared Leto Joker, thank God. True. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, and, and, and when we talk about Birds of Prey, you'll hear about the lack of Joker, which is possibly why the movie didn't do yeah. well. Who knows? But um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think there's a chance that we could do well. I think having a, a versatile cast and having comedians, you know, athletes, you know, having all these different kinds of people coming into the mix, I think will make it potentially different. Um, yeah. And give it a different kind of vibe, and I think you know James Gunn seems like he's good with doing cast movies. Like he's really good with uh, uh, working with actors and getting, building chemistry. So I, you know, I want to be hopeful about it. I think um, yeah, you know, totally. especially uh, with uh, just like DC, it seems like they have sporadic hits and misses. Like you know, yeah. Joker obviously was a worldwide phenomenon and um, won a lot of Oscars, and then uh, you know you have uh, like Birds of Prey, which mm. you know didn't do that well. So it's just like it just seems like it's kind of. Yeah, back and forth with DC. Yeah, they just either one film is just like a huge blowout, like you said with Joker, and then like another one, like with Birds of Prey, it just kind of slows down. You know, not as a big, you know, opening. But but I still feel like that's that that's the issue with Warner Brothers, right? Like no mm-hmm. matter what director they get, no matter what actor they get, it the outcome ends up being the same exact thing. Because even Zack Snyder, which would have been great for 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 the franchise. You know, to, to, for for Superman, Batman, and, and that still didn't work. Even though somebody that's that's well read in, in the comics and mm-hmm. things like that, yeah. it still didn't work out. So I still think the big issue is Warner Brothers. But hey, we'll, well see. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, like if we're gonna go on the Zack Snyder thing, I think he's just really. I think what he does, he takes montages and he makes plots out of them, which I don't. Uh, which when I when I, what I mean by that is that he just takes a lot of moments in certain movies and he just kind of 
he likes I feel like he stretches things to the nth degree to the point where there's just like there's not much left in terms of like the material like uh, and, like a lot of like 300 and like uh, even Batman vs Superman there's like a, just a lot of scenes where it's just a bunch of montages of people Montage posing people. people punching each other it's yeah. like it's kind of like the same general kind of shots that he usually does but I get it. I mean he's kind of he's one of those creators where I feel like he sees these characters as like a Greek gods almost yeah, Greek he's gods. Like these like titans yep. right so he almost kind of glamorizes them in his own visual style you know it's very like beautiful looking and even like even though it's, some of it's like dark you know everything kind of looks sleek and like yeah it's very clean and clean and it doesn't feel like cut. rugged or like you know realistic which is fine but um but yeah no we'll see we'll see what happens you know um but kind of coming right into that we'll actually just go straight into Bird of Prey right Bird of Prey, Prey, yeah um so Birds of Prey uh the emancipation of one Harley Quinn very interesting movie. Very interesting mm-hmm. movie. Um, Margot Robbie stars, uh, obviously coming from Suicide Squad yes. uh, characters. This is her next uh, take on it. Um, you know, I I will say that you know, in reflection, I think I actually enjoyed the movie overall. I thought uh, uh, that it was a cool little detour from what Suicide Squad was, and I think some of those earlier DC films are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the character of Harley Quinn has enough weight to hold her own film because it really ended up being her movie for the majority of it with yeah. the incorporation of the other female uh, members of Birds of Prey which I actually thought was the better part of the movie I don't know how you oh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston she was uh, definitely one of my favorite parts of the movie I think she killed it as Huntress I wish we kind of got a little bit more of her I mean we got a decent amount of her in the movie but I thought she was just really, like I mean Margot Robbie is incredible as Holly Quinn she was very you know Colorful, humorous, and sassy, so she fits for a good Harley Quinn role. But uh, definitely uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead. She was definitely a really big uh, breakout for me. In that yeah, film. yeah. I think another big issue too that we're seeing with uh, with a lot of movies now is um, there's this common theme where ever since Fox made the ballsy move to do a movie called Deadpool and make it rated R, mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of studios took note that oh maybe that means that we should just be making rated R superhero movies. And mm-hmm. I just I don't really believe in this idea that. If it's R, it's going to automatically make it better. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I don't know if that was the the mindset when Warner Brothers was was creating Birds of Prey. Yeah. The, the idea was like, oh, this is what people want. They want an R-rated Harley Quinn movie. Because there was moments where, I mean, there was moments where you could say, okay, well, they curse a lot, so I guess that's why it's R. And, yeah. And, oh, yeah, this guy got, you know, his, like, fucking, you know, broken backwards or got punched in the balls. But it's just like, I mean, at what point does it, it like, do you feel like, you know, maybe this movie because it ended up opening for thirty-three million dollars, yeah, which, which is was, pretty low, yeah, uh, low for their recent slate of movies. But do you feel like it would have maybe made more money if it was PG thirteen? Like, do you feel like maybe if they went for less of the you know crudeness and language and maybe some less violence, do you feel like the movie actually would have benefited from that? I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but Deadpool itself just proved that. Violence itself, language itself, is not enough, right? Deadpool one, to me, classic. Deadpool two, garbage. You know what I mean? In my in my opinion. Well, in, I mean, in my it, was, opinion. it was almost an impossible. You know, in my in my like, opinion, it was almost an Anchorman two dilemma for me, where it's just like he really couldn't. <laughs> yeah. ta- he really couldn't top the first one. Yeah, yeah, is, and it's hard. Right? It's yeah, it's hard. hard. It's hard to be measured by that, and I, you could tell that um, even with Deadpool two, right? The creative differences led the director from the first one to leave. And getting a second uh, person to come on board, and they definitely went for this similar approach to the first one. They didn't go for like a straight superhero movie, but no, I think that's a, that's a valid point to make sure. But it was yeah, really definitely, nice. yeah, and especially too, if you have like a movie that's so successful like that, it's very, it's really hard to top. You know what I'm saying? 
But yeah, I mean, talking about the rating, I mean, possibly if it was PG-13, you know, maybe it could have did better in the box office, you know, because, you know, more families. Because I know uh, Suicide Squad was PG-13, and that did pretty, you know, big in the it box office. It did more, office. It made more money than... Uh Birds of Prey. Yeah, and Birds of Prey. That would be fucking terrible. Yeah, (laughs) so, like, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, the rating and the factor, yeah. I mean, I could see, you know, how fans would be like, oh, yeah, let's go, like, a rated R Harley Quinn movie. It's going to be awesome, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think it's just... It's just, I guess, you know, the marketing and how it came approach to families and stuff like that. You know, some parents, you know, can be strict, you know, versus others, so... Yeah, no, I will say I th- I, the best part of the movie for me was really seeing the, the team emerge with the Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn, especially yeah. at the end of the third act where it's a showdown between, spoiler alert, by the way, um, showdown between uh, Black Mask, uh, Victor Zaz, uh, yeah. and then a bunch of just mercenary goon characters, um, and the whole big finale uh, fight sequence between the Birds of Prey and the villains mm-hmm. happens in a uh, funhouse in a... Uh, which is pretty funny because uh, it kind of brought me back a little bit to the uh, Adam West Batman. Show Adam West, yeah, a lot of that kind of goofy, funny, the bam, wham, bam, yeah, that type of, of action. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I actually, got, I thought that was actually kind of something mm. very, very meta. But, um, but no, I mean, it's just I think it's one of those situations where you know the the material itself I don't think was marketed properly. I mean, yeah, I think that's one of them too. Yeah, the, the lack of turnout I think for the. The film, which is fine. I mean, some movies have a life of their own after theatrical. Sometimes they get a home video. Yeah, and, and it just becomes this big. Yeah. I mean? So I just, I, you know, I think this movie has has some good parts to it. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the story, the way it was written, it does in the beginning jump a lot back and forth. Yeah, especially with her line, point of view and stuff like which that. Which is great, right. and I think they're trying to go for the the unreliable narrator situation where you're getting her perspective about her origin, her place in the universe, you mm-hmm. know, what her character is currently doing post Joker. Um, so, I, you know, I, I understand that they were trying to be a little more active with the character, but I feel like as a movie, it, it did kind of make it a little bit difficult to follow in the beginning. But at the same time, I thought the humor was, was there. I thought, um, whoever played the little girl. Oh, yeah, she was good, yeah. She was fucking hilarious. She was man. a good dude. Yeah, especially that whole scene. They see in the trailer where uh, Harley Quinn uh, passes her, like, some dynamite or whatever, and she, like, throws it at a car. At a car. Yeah, you know, like, better. there were some funny moments to it. So, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I thought it was terrible, because, um, you know, I actually did find redeeming parts about it uh, and again Suicide Squad piece of shit movie so, I, mean, just, I mean yeah it's definitely an upgrade from Suicide Squad and like you said it's pretty fun like they have a lot of fun fight sequences and you know it's stylish too in that way so it's pretty but, fun but movie. it seems like if you want to watch Harley Quinn that you might as well watch the cartoon right <laughs> the cartoon the other big guys uh, also if you didn't know um, fun fact the origin of Harley Quinn did not happen in the comic books it actually happened on television back in 19 what was what was the episode for uh, fucking um Batman the Animated Series was it series was it season two I think when they introduced Harley Quinn back yeah. in like maybe 93, 94 um, created by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm um, but yeah I mean it's just like the characters obviously had a life of yeah. her own yeah. she's been very popular with the fans I mean I remember when I was in uh, high school we every year our uh, theater program would actually have us play fictional characters oh yeah I remember actually, uh, high, Ta- 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 actually uh, Javier would know this person uh, yeah. her name's Tatiana Smith really random uh, reference person to talk about but yeah she actually played harley quinn actually for a fictional character i mean it's just a character everybody knows you know it's a character that people fuck with you know it's very cool she you know she's uh joker's uh lover but she's also like you know and over the years they've kind of changed her character to become more of a um an independent woman and separate from joker which i think is a good approach because i feel like the original interpretation of the character was like her being just she was kind of joker's punching bag kind of. yeah 
You know, like, you know, if things didn't work out, he would kind of just smack the shit out of her, yeah, which is kind of a little, <laughs> especially PC culture is kind yeah. of a little outdated. Yeah. So I think, and then even in the Suicide Squad, there were scenes that were cut um, with Jared Leto and Margot Robbie where there was more abuse. Oh, really? Well, that yeah. occurred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's why the, the whole, if you ever watch Suicide Squad, the whole scene where Joker kind of appears to die in the helicopter crash, that was a little choppy because there was more footage where more it was footage. a little more of a beat down. Because he doesn't, you know, because yeah, everybody just wants to see someone get the be- shit beat out of them, right? But, um, just kidding, guys. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you know, Birds of Prey overall. You know, if you like Harley Harley Quinn and Margot Robbie, because who doesn't like Margot Robbie? Um, definitely check it out. Yeah. It's definitely a, a good pick. Um, cool. Um, so next topic, uh, it's gonna be a new trailer just dropped. Uh, actually, Jay can probably speak to the movie better than I could because I actually haven't seen the original. But it looks like uh, we got a new Candyman. You haven't seen Candyman coming out. I, I have never I seen I Candyman. You know, I like take pride in my movie watching, but I haven't seen everything. So, um, but yeah, so it looks like the trailer dropped. It, I'm I'm actually very curious about this movie. Um, maybe if you Jay, if you want to tell the audience a little bit about the original Candyman, just so people have a general idea of what it's about. I mean, basically, you know, it's it's. I I think he he used to be a slave. I, I'm not sure, right? Because it's been a long time since I've seen it. But but if if, if if I can remember correctly, I, I think he was a slave. They end up falling in love with a Caucasian woman, and then he ended up getting lynched. And they uh, they put uh, honey all over him, and then the bees attacked him, and like that's how he ended up dying. That, that's the origin. Of Candyman. Yeah, that's the, ori- the origin of Candyman. Yeah. Holy so, so, shit! So yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a crazy. It was, it was something like crazy, that, yes. right? <laughs> But it's a scary. So racial injustice is like embedded into the narrative yes, of the, of the sure. movie. Yeah, I had yeah, no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, Virginia Madsen, uh, who who was the main actress in the movie, she is a descendant of the woman that Candy the Candyman originally fell in love with. Oh, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word, word. And it seems like in this this new version, um, there's a uh, the main character is like what. Photographer? Yeah. Okay. Well, right, she, so. Virginia Madsen in, in in the original played a photographer herself. Ah, oh, so, so, interesting. So it's, okay. a, it's a good twist. It's a good and twist. He, and like they, they bring it back to the location of the original, which the is the original, Chicago yeah, suburb, right? Is, apparently, this is this is a sequel. It's not a re- it's, sequel. It's okay. So it, so the events of the yeah. original have already occurred. In the yeah. Universe. Okay. For, for my understanding, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of hype around this. I mean, I know a lot of people at work that are huge fans of the, the original film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a cult classic for a lot of people. I. I, you know, again, I've never seen it, but I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see this movie now. It seems like it's uh, I've missed out, but um, but yeah, like, do you have any thoughts about? Uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I have to definitely uh, recheck the original one, of course, because I haven't seen that in a while. But yeah, and definitely too excited because uh, Jordan Peele he's on the project. Uh, exe- he's executive producer, right? I believe he is. Yeah, executive producer. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to see it. It looks pretty. Uh, looks pretty scary. Put a Jordan Peele name on it. You know. Yeah, I'm all People in. Go right? see it. Hey, yeah, listen, the, the original movie was scary as shit. I am going to be 38 years old next month, and I will hey. not. And I will not say Candyman in the mirror five times and turn off the light. <laughs> okay. Just yeah, no, don't don't risk it, man. It ain't worth the thing. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, last story that I have uh, on Doc today. Uh, it's talking about a unexpected hit um, that I think all of us can agree we, we didn't really anticipate that it was actually going to do well. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog, a uh, movie that came out $70 million over the President's Day holiday weekend. Um, and then even in the second week of release, uh, it also went past the $100 million mark um, and then surpassed $200 million globally. Wow. Uh, which is pretty incredible. I mean, yeah, uh, sure. this is a, you know, video game movies are notorious for being terrible. Um, especially uh, like with recent uh, adaptations of like Assassin's Creed, um, Prince of Persia, like we've seen a lot of shit. Yeah, you know, it's well, 
movies or shit. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of incredible to see that it actually had some legs. And this is a movie that also, I mean, was an underdog from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that you know the first trailer came out and the whole internet broke. I mean, yeah, everyone was like pissed about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone was close. super super pissed about the design of the character. Right? Yeah, it, it was like this weird kind of like. It was like a re. It was almost like a, an artist rendering of a realist. It was like a realistic version of yeah, Sonic, Sonic, which is already not a realistic hedgehog, so it doesn't look like a hedgehog. But he gave him like human eyes and teeth, and the teeth. Yeah, I remember the teeth like was a big issue. Yeah. yeah, everyone was freaked out <laughs> yeah, by it, and um, it seemed like they convinced the director to go on uh, Twitter, and he he said, hey, "We know we heard you. We want to make sure everyone's happy." And they actually pushed the delay. They delayed the release of the movie to actually reanimate. Uh, the character, which is a very expensive thing to do, that's not something that, that's very common. But yeah. um, it seems like it worked out to their favor. Oh I mean, yeah, you, know, I, you gotta give Paramount props. I mean, this could have easily been another big fat dud in their um, release slate, but they turn it around. Um, they made a movie that generally, from what I've heard from people that've seen it, enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jay, you, you're the only one in this room that's seen it. I mean, if you want to give us a quick, uh, yeah, a yeah. quick recap of uh, your experience seeing it, because you went with your uh, well, my daughter. Your yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, well, what I will say is this, right? So, like, you know. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, like I ended up playing that on Sega, and obviously the game doesn't really have much story to begin with, so um, you know, it's, it's obviously it's going to be something very, very difficult to, to, to write for and, and, and come up with an origin story. Yeah. Um, so going to, to the movies to see it with my daughter, I was kind of hesitant in the beginning, but I will say this: like Ben Schwartz as Sonic is is is, is, is a good thing. Uh, the story itself, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, to the point where I wouldn't mind seeing it another, you know, see it again, maybe two, three times. I definitely buy it when it comes out, mm -hmm. uh, digital. Um, I think I think it was great. I think it was great. I, I think it's some, something that everybody should see, uh, and they should definitely bring their kids to see because I think it's a really good kids movie to see. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely really. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm planning on seeing it um some point. But yeah, I've heard nothing but like really positive things for it. And, you know, to be honest, when I first saw the trailer of it, uh, like the original trailer when it came out almost a year ago, you know, I wasn't really too, like, invested in it. And I thought that, oh, you know, wouldn't it'd probably be, like, you know, not too well. You yeah. know? I mean, big with kids, but, you know, not too yeah. well. But it's been doing big with, like, kids and adults. You know, it's been really good family flicks. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see it. And I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, so definitely glad to see him in there doing his thing. And also, I like Ben Shorts, too, so it'll be fun to see him as uh, Sonic. Yeah, no, I... Uh... I've I've been convinced to go see this movie. I'm gonna to have to do it like a five dollar Tuesday and go check it out. And yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Who would have thought? You know, fucking the Blue Hedgehog actually made some bank and actually was not a terrible movie. Mm. And Jim Carrey, I ever since Kick Ass Two, where he went on a rant about anti-violence in movies, I kind mm. of was turned off by seeing his movies. But uh, now I'm kind of curious to see him uh, play the villain, play the heavy. You know. Um, but that's good. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, looks like that'll be a wrap for this episode of uh, Rough Cuts. But uh, I just want to thank my guests so very, very much. You guys did a great job. Always, uh, it's been really nice to have uh, have uh, people coming over and doing the show. You know, it's uh, we're a homegrown uh, business, yeah. but uh, we we love doing it. I'm I'm happy that we can continue to come back here and, and keep talking movies. But uh, yeah, for now we're gonna sign off. Um, but yeah, if you wanna you know find us on social media, if you guys wanna plug yourselves, uh, feel free to do so. Anybody wanna plug their social media? Uh, I mean, I have like five followers for sure, for sure on Instagram, uh, J underscore Turpo. Uh, look me up. Uh, at uh, Javi uh, thirteen rods, and also I do uh, film reviews on uh, Facebook called uh, Rodriguez Reviews. So you can check me out there. Yeah, go check out his reviews. They're pretty good. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Sinhan or Die. That's S-I-N-E-H-A-N or Die on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, that, uh, we're going to be signing off. See you guys next time. Thank you, guys. Peace.